0: You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for June 18th, 2023, the third Sunday after Pentecost. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend John Kennedy. It's based on Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through chapter 10, verse 8. Well, speaking of God the Father and, and the Son and the Holy Spirit, uh, happy Father's Day. The, fa- the, the importance and, and power of fathers in our lives and indeed in our world. Uh, is immense because, uh, for, uh, among other reasons, we, we quite simply would not be here without them. Uh, we have not yet figured out how to create more people without fathers. Maybe one day we'll get there, but, but up until now, and probably for some time still to come, uh, we need fathers in some basic sense. The stories of fathers and of their children uh, have reflected our experiences of fatherhood throughout the ages, and these stories have in turn shaped our imaginations, our feelings, and our ideas about being fathers and about having fathers. In the Bible, we have Father Abraham. Uh, we heard a story about him this morning. He is known as the father of many nations and, in the words of the Apostle Paul, uh, our father of faith. Uh, and of course, name Abraham, who would go on to tie up his only son Isaac, Uh, and sacrifice him uh, until God said, uh, don't do that. Now, to be fair to Abraham, uh, God was also the one who originally said, do sacrifice your sons. This is a very confusing situation, Uh, but I think one that uh, on some mythic level uh, reflects the ambivalence uh, we often experience in our relationship with our fathers and perhaps uh, the ambivalence that many fathers experience in being fathers. In Greek mythology we have Zeus, the, the great God and and his many divine and half-divine offspring. In Shakespeare, we have father figures like King Hamlet and King Lear. Uh, More recently, in at least the past 100 years, uh, in in the world of film and TV and music, we've seen uh, Gregory Peck as Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird, probably one of fiction's greatest fathers. I can't leave out Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, of course. I really hope I didn't ruin that for anybody. You really should have seen Star Wars by now. Uh, uh, Of course, in The Godfather, we have Vito and Michael Corleone. In The Lion King, there's Mustafa and Simba. In the great TV series Mad Men, there's Don Draper, the profoundly flawed father and husband who, in turn, was very wounded by his truly rotten father. I just talked about the show Succession a couple weeks ago, Uh, Logan Roy and his uh, very dysfunctional brood. Uh, The song Father and Son by Cat Stevens and the beloved show Ted Lasso, which also recently came to a a close, uh, which its creator and lead actor Jason Sudeikis said uh, is all about bad dads. In the real world over the past 100 years, we've known collective father figures who have been there for a people uh, in times of crisis, uh, in times that called for really uh, important, uh, strong leadership. We've seen FDR uh, in this country during World War II, Winston Churchill in England, of course, during the same war, Uh, Nelson Mandela, of course, in South Africa, Gandhi in India, and of course, Mr. Rogers. Uh, Good fathers and bad fathers, and everything in between. Fathers have the power to build us up, to encourage us, to guide us, to protect us, to to show us the way. Uh, In the Gospel of John, speaking of his relationship to God the Father, Jesus says that whatever the Father does, uh, the Son does likewise. And when we have a good father or a good father figure in our lives, this can be a wonderful gift. this, This mirroring of what we see the Father doing. But of course, that's not always the way it goes. It's not always a good example or mirror that we have. Uh, Fathers also have the power to wound, and this reality is reflected in the Old Testament in the idea of the sins of the father being passed down to the next generation. So I think it's important to uh, to reflect upon the importance of of fathers and and what good fathering is uh, in a theological sense. I myself don't really know anything about being a father. I am just under two weeks away from being married, uh, and probably still some time more than that from becoming a father. Um, But what I can talk about is Jesus' relationship to God the Father, uh, what it means for us to call and know God as Father, and how this relationship, this knowledge, can form those of us who are fathers or father figures of any kind uh, into the good, wise, and loving versions of those roles that, that we aim for. So it's well known that, that Jesus called God Father. I think, I think we all got that. Uh, in fact, when Jesus addresses God in the Gospels, he almost exclusively uses Father as, as the means or the title, uh, the means of address, Uh, Now, now Father uh, has become such a ubiquitous and and even taken for granted name for God that its significance may escape our notice. But but Jesus' emphasis on God as Father actually seems to have been uh, a new thing in the Judaism uh, of his day. Uh, Because while paternal language did indeed precede Jesus, we see language for God both in uh, fatherly and motherly terms in the Old Testament Um, Father was not used as a name for God in the way that Jesus used it. And we see this uh, reflected in in, uh, an account in John's Gospel of religious authorities seeking to kill Jesus because he called God Father, uh, because they thought in doing so he was making himself equal to God. So clearly this was not something that everybody or really anybody else uh, was doing. And so it seems that while it's acceptable to describe God as having fatherly and indeed motherly qualities, uh, actually calling God Father was quite unusual uh, and perceived uh, as dangerous by some uh, because it suggested a presumptive, or presumptuous familiarity with the majesty and mystery of God that uh, was, was perceived as irreverent and even blasphemous. And yet, it is precisely this irreverent familiarity that was, for Jesus, a sense of profound strength and existential grounding. Jesus called God Father because it expressed the intimacy, the profound sense of communion that he had with the divine. And from this identity... Uh, or from this flowed Jesus' identity, uh, from it flowed his purpose, his character. In today's Gospel passage from Matthew, Jesus looks upon the crowds, and we read that he has compassion for them. Compassion. This is Jesus' fundamental state of mind and of heart. Uh, Compassion is Jesus' motivation. It's where everything that he does begins. In the Gospels, Jesus is described as having a variety of emotions. But the most common is compassion. The most typical statement of Jesus' emotional state is that he was filled with compassion or moved with compassion. And and this is a translation of a Greek phrase that that literally means he was moved from the depths of his being. Actually, his guts, his bowels. This is a very, very visceral uh, image. And indeed, uh, the Greek word... That uh, uh, or The Hebrew word that is translated compassion in the Old Testament Also means womb Which I find absolutely fascinating It comes from a very deep place Both in God and, and in Jesus Now as I mentioned earlier in the Gospel of John Jesus says that the Son can do nothing on his own But only what he sees the Father doing For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise now, a couple weeks ago on Trinity Sunday, I talked not only about the TV show Succession, but also about the doctrine of the Trinity and uh, how the Trinity expresses that the inner life of God is one of self-giving, mutual love, and, and we could add today a compassionate love, because compassion is, is uh, suffering alongside another uh, a creature, another person, but it is also participatory companionship. So perhaps in some sense we could imagine compassion existing within the life of the Trinity. I don't know, it's a theological uh, question that I probably can't settle here. Uh, but at, in any rate, uh, at any rate, Jesus' compassion flows from the compassion of God, uh, from the love that the Father has through Jesus and for all of us, for all of the world. Of course, we know that Jesus introduced Father not only as a name that he used for God, but as a name that we use for God, that Jesus' disciples use for for the divine. And we see this, of course, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, when he teaches his disciples to pray, Our Father. Just those first two words are the most radical and powerful part of that whole prayer. Inviting a, in inviting us to call God Father, Jesus is drawing us into the identity and indeed into the experience of being children of God alongside himself. Not merely by virtue of being created by God, although it certainly encompasses that, but by virtue of being caught up in and being joined to the inmost life of God, being made true children of God with Jesus Now, knowing God as Father in this way has the power to transform us from the inside out, just as it did for Jesus. Because everything we know and love about Jesus, Jesus says, has its origin in his Father. So on this Father's Day, may we know the compassion that the God and Father of all of us has for us, has for you and for all the world. May we recognize the reflections of that love Uh, in the fathers and father figures we've known in our lives, even amid their imperfections. And uh, may we, especially the fathers and father figures among us, may we be strengthened to live and love in the world like Jesus did, who was moved with compassion to extend light and healing to everyone, because that's what he saw his father doing. Amen.